Welcome to the Calvary Church Podcast. First Peter chapter 4, verse number 12. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you, as though some strange thing happened unto you. But rejoice, Paul says, in the middle of your trial, rejoice. Just the opposite of what you want to do, right? Rejoice in as much. Here's why. Because you are partakers of Christ's sufferings. You rejoice because you didn't get to go to the cross with him, but you still get to suffer with him. That when his glory shall be revealed, you may be glad also with exceeding joy. There will be some folks who wonder why I bring to you a message today that's in line with uh, our Sunday school lesson this afternoon, but many of you weren't here for that, so that's one reason the Lord had me do it. I don't know of another reason, but He knows what He's doing, and this is what He wants me to preach. I'm going to preach to you from this thought today. The scrap heap or the fire. The scrap heap or the fire. Let's pray one more time for God to have his way. Would you pray, God, have your way in me during the rest of this service? Let's pray. God, we need you today. I need your help physically. There are people in this congregation that need your help physically. And probably, Lord, if we were honest, more importantly than physical help, there are people here today and watching online that need your help spiritually. And in other ways, God, that have to do with things eternal. Have your way in us today. Help us to listen real good. Help me to preach real good. And help us to respond the way you would have us to respond. That's the most important thing that needs to be done in this place this afternoon. I ask you to help us do it with everything you've got. Help us to do it with everything we've got. According to your will, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. God bless you as you're seated. We do want to remind you of a very special Sunday coming up in the month of October, October the 23rd. That's All Nations Sunday. We will be celebrating the fact that the Bible says we are, as God's people, going to be when we gather in heaven, people from every kindred, every tribe, every nation, every tongue. We have some beautiful brochures here that you can take with you to invite people to that Sunday. Uh, Sister Carol Rice made the announcement earlier about that, and uh, we hope that many of you will dress in your native or the, the uh, whatever the direction of your descendancy is, uh, the peoples and uh, nationality that you come from. Maybe you could dress like that. There are people uh, we're inviting you and encourage you to bring foods that have to do with that. Here's uh, another uh, card that you can take to help you invite people. And, of course, take with you our regular You're Invited business card size invitation tool to help you invite people to church here at Calvary. And people who do that are doing the will of God. Can you say amen? Amen. So many people's lives, perhaps this is why the Lord wants me to preach this today as well. So many 
of us here today and people that you know, people under the sound of my voice, people that are watching online, others that you may be aware of. So many uh, people are under sage, under attack from the enemy. Uh, you may be or know someone who is experiencing just an onslaught of hell and trials and tribulations abound, whether it's physical or mental or emotional or financial or spiritual, fear, doubt, worry, anxiety, problems of all kinds, physical ailments and sickness. Um, I, I would like to perhaps bring to you today an answer uh, to why that may be happening. Maybe just a little bit of a revelation as to why, perhaps to help you to put a handle on your situation and what you're going through. I, I know that I'm in the fire with some regularity. I, I don't really believe you can live for God very long without going through the fire like that. The, the Bible uses this allegory of fire to help us understand what goes on in our lives when negative circumstances prevail. Uh, fire is used in a purifying process. We know that fire can be good and it can be bad. It can destroy. But the good that it can do is that it's great. Heat can purify, especially precious metals, gold and silver and such metals as that. They, when they are, uh, as you see in the picture here, uh, applied with fire, then as the temperature rises in that metal, it makes it uh, pure. It makes it more valuable. It makes it more useful. What it does is the heat brings out the impurities. It's called dross or the waste. And, and, and the gold, if it's liquid, rises to the top. You see there the picture on the screen. It's a blacksmith. Maybe you can't see his gloved hand holding the tongs with some kind of metal piece at the end of the tongs that's undergoing the process of the fire. The blacksmith had a sign one day in his shop that read, the scrap heap or the fire. And this is what he said to explain that. He said, when I pick up a piece of metal in order to make it into something useful, I must first put it into the fire. And when it is hot, I take it out and I begin to hammer on it. Anybody ever felt like you were being hammered? He says, I, I, I hammer on it, and I continue to do that, to hammer it, until I make it a useful article of some kind. But unless I put it into the fire to make it malleable and, and moldable, if, I, if I'm not allowed to do that, if I don't do that with a particular piece, then I've got to throw it out onto the scrap heap. So he said, it's either or either the fire or the scrap heap, but not both. That's why I, I want to say to you today, don't shun the fire when you're going through it. That's really not the response that we ought to have 
in God's sight. In fact, I would go further than that. I would do like the Apostle Paul did. He welcomed the weak things of his life. He welcomed the things that would come to him because he realized that in the weakness that he experienced when going through the fire, then he was made stronger by God's strength forming that in him. And that's what the fire is for. It's God's forming you and shaping you into something wonderful, something that he wants to use for his glory. And if you were to say, I don't like the fire, I don't want to be in the fire, then you've got to understand it's either the scrap heap or the fire. It's one of the two. Don't get in any hurry to get yourself out of the fire. Now, I know we want to get out as soon as we possibly can. Our flesh doesn't like it. There's something uh, about every one of us that hates to go through negative things. We hate the trial. We hate the tribulation. But we need to understand today that the fire really is our friend. If we could learn to welcome the fire, if we could somehow, by God's grace, learn not to shun the fire, not, not to try to get away from it, but make it our friend. Make it something that we can use for God's glory to grow and to stretch our faith and take us to new heights in God that we have never been to before. I am telling somebody here today that the devil would try. He would love to get tired uh, 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 or he would love to continue to bring storms to your life, but he would get tired of of doing that he would get tired of putting you through the torment if every time that he did it it drew you that much closer to God if every time he put you through something you let it purify you and it shined you up and you let it make you grow and become greater in God and greater in faith and greater in power that somehow you would do damage to Satan's kingdom Every time, if you can learn to use the fire that God lets you go through, the way God meant for you to use the fire, I'm telling you, the devil would get tired of it. He would get tired of putting you through the fire. Don't get in a hurry to get out of the fire. Make it your friend. Make it work for you. Peter said this in another place in 1 Peter chapter 1. This is different from the text that we read. He said in verse 7 of 1 Peter chapter 1, that the trial of your faith being much more precious than of gold that perisheth, though it be tried with fire, might be found unto praise and honor and glory at the appearing of Jesus Christ. This is 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 8. Whom having not seen, ye love, in whom though now ye see him not, yet believing, ye rejoice with joy unspeakable and full of glory. Your faith is precious, my friend, but not without the fire. He goes on to say, you will receive the end of your faith, even the salvation of your souls. It was Jeremiah of the Old Testament, the great prophet of God, who the men of God in the Old Testament, because at times God's people could be so rebellious and so ornery and so hard-headed, 
that uh, God would have his prophet do some things that were real, well, just weird, real strange. And it was because God wanted to get a point across to his people. And so he told Jeremiah one day, I want you to go down to the potter's house. Go to the house of the potter. The potter is the one who makes vessels of clay, pottery, vessels that hold water and food and other uses for them. And uh, God sent Jeremiah down there to learn a lesson. God wanted to teach him something. He said, arise and go down to the potter's house, and there I will cause thee to hear my words. Then I went down to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheels. If you've ever watched or been privileged to see it in person, uh, how the old-fashioned way of making pottery was done, where the, the potter, had uh, he would sit, and there would be a table that he would put the clay on, and that, that table was round or at least it, was, it had the ability to rotate or to turn around and around because it was connected to a foot wheel where the potter would kick that wheel with his foot and make the tabletop turn round and round and round, and he could do it at different speeds. And then he would take uh, the clay and he'd put water on it and put water on his hands, and as he would kick that wheel down by the floor, the, the table would turn and the potter uh, the piece of pottery, well, it was just a, a clay starting out. He would shape it with his hands as it turned, and he would fashion it, and the skill of the potter would be seen in the kind of vessel that he could make. And uh, Jeremiah said, I went to the potter's house, and behold, he wrought a work on the wheel. And the vessel that he made of clay was marred. It was uh, messed up. In the hand of the potter. He, he made a mistake somehow. He, he made an error and, and the vessel had some kind of imperfection in it. And so he worked on it some more. It says, so he made it again another vessel as seemed good to the potter to make it. And then the word of the Lord came to me saying, here's the illustration. Here's the point God's wanting to make. Cannot I do with you as this potter, saith the Lord? Behold, as the clay is in the potter's hand, so are you in my hand. Uh, another title or perhaps a subtitle for this message could have been the wheel or the field. It's one or the other because every potter's house had somewhere out close by a field, a place in the yard, or perhaps he had to walk a few steps if he didn't want it right next to his home. But there was a place where the potter would take the things that he tried to make on the wheel, but he just couldn't somehow, for whatever reason, make it turn out right. And so whether it was uh, the walls of the vessel were too thin, or maybe it was lopsided in some way. Perhaps the, the clay had some kind of imperfection, and it. it wasn't pure. It had some dirt mixed in with it so that it wouldn't conform to the rest of what the clay, the shape that the clay was taking. Whatever it was, 
after trying however many times the potter would try to make that vessel become what it was supposed to be, and it would not, and it could not, he would take that vessel, whatever stage of its creation it was in, go outside and cast it into the potter's field. God was making a point to Jeremiah and to his people. He said, you are supposed to be like that lump of clay on the potter's wheel. And I am the potter. You are supposed to submit and surrender yourself and your life to me completely and wholly. That is the only way to live for God, my friend. You can't live for God any other way. It just won't work. And so I've come to tell you today, if you won't live for God that way, wholeheartedly, with everything you've got, then your life will be messed up. There will always be those things that stop God from using you the way he wants to use you, blessing you the way he wants to bless you, and making you into what he wants you to be for his glory and his kingdom. And if that's the case, then sooner or later then it's the potter's field for you don't let that be your conclusion don't let that be the case in your life but I'm here to warn you it's either the scrap heap or the fire it's either the wheel or the field I don't know about you but God I say to him if there's something in me that's not like you want it to be if there's some imperfection in my life if there's something keeping me from pleasing you large or small no matter what it is God I want to get back up on that potter's wheel I want you to work on me some more. I want you to go to work. Do whatever you have to do to make me be what you want me to be. I want to get back in the fire. Where's the fire? Let me get back in it so you can hammer away at me. Make it hot enough, God. Take me through the stuff you've got to take me through to where you can make me what you want me to be. Hallelujah. You've got to get this. It's either the scrap heap or the fire. Satan, he brings his trials and his tribulations, and he brings sickness, and he brings depression, and he brings fear and worry and anxiety, and opposition of all types and kinds, whatever they may be, for one reason. And one reason alone does he bring these things into your life, to bring you down hoping somehow to affect your relationship with God and to drain your spiritual strength and stamina to make you weaker. And if during that time, during that attack, if you decide that you are going to lessen or decrease the things that maintain your spiritual strength, then you are playing right into the devil's hands and doing exactly what he hoped you would do. What are you talking about, Pastor? I'm talking about quitting. Say, I'm not going to do this anymore. I'm not going to church anymore. I'm not going to serve God anymore. Or if you don't go that far, if you just decide, well, I'm not going to go to church as much. I'm going to stay home today. I'm not going not to pray today. And one day turns into two, and two turns into three, and one missed Sunday turns into two, and two turns into three. And before you know it, you're not praying or you're not coming to church. 
Let me tell you something. That's exactly what you don't need to do. You need to do exactly the opposite of what Satan wants you to do. Come to church more. You need to pray more. You need to fast more. You need to give more. You need to worship more. You need to come to the house of God and be faithful to God and his house more. You can be a victor in a battle that you didn't choose, that you didn't start, that you didn't want. Hallelujah. Satan's attack, it comes, and it turns into a battle. And you can fight back with spiritual warfare, or you can stand there and let the devil beat up on you. But those battles can be, if you will respond the right way, God's way, then they can become stepping stones to advancement in your journey forward. Think about it, my friend. Somebody has to win every battle. It might as well be you. Hello. Instead of the devil, you might as well be the one to end up ahead of, ahead of where you were when you went into that battle into that fight. I wonder if there are any of us that would have the gumption and the understanding and the good sense and wisdom to know that sometimes we need to say, God, I need the fire. Give me the fire, God. Bring it on. I don't want to be thrown onto the scrap heap or in the field. You say, Brother Edwards, it's tough. I know it's tough. Believe you me, I've been there. I've had my share of the fiery trials. In fact, I've seen all the, the fire that I want to see for the rest of my life. To help me get through the fire, sometimes I just have to cry out to God. In fact, I've learned that the best way to go through the fire is to do exactly that. To do what David do it, what David did. When he was in trouble, and that is praise my way through. In Psalm 34, put up verse 1, brother. It says, a psalm of David. Now, in most Bibles with King James, at least several of them, different printers put in a prelogue to this chapter. It's not on the screen, but if you have a Bible with you, it's in my Bible. It's in uh, a lot of your Bibles there are these words written before what you see on the screen comes. It says, a psalm of David when he changed his behavior before Abimelech, who drove him away, and he departed. And then it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. This introduction to the psalm is telling why David wrote it. We know that a psalm is a song, and David wrote several of those that are recorded in the book of Psalms in the Old Testament. And this particular psalm has as its background David running for his life, as he did so often, from King Saul. The one, that, the one man that should have supported him the most turned on him, and that happens to us sometimes. But be that neither here nor there, David knew what to do. He knew how to praise God during those times. It says that this is a psalm of David that he wrote when he changed his behavior before Abimelech. The story is this. David went to the heathen king running from Saul. He went to Abimelech for, uh, for uh, uh, protection, for uh, solitude, for a place to hide. And the Bible says that uh, 
they, they, they came into the king and they said, his advisor said, this man David is here. And, and he said, is this the David that they sing songs about him, how that Saul has slain his thousands, but David is ten thousands. This man is a great warrior. He, he might be here to kill me. We, we shouldn't be friendly to him. And so they went out, and there David had overheard what they were saying, and they found David doing this. He was on all fours, his hands and knees, groveling in the dirt. He had begun to carve, if you read the story in the Old Testament in 1 Samuel, carve markings in the gatepost, and he had began to let his drool, his saliva, his spittle come out of his mouth and, and clog his beard. What was he doing? Well, if you read this first verse, you understand what he was doing because it says, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. This word praise, if you look it up in a Hebrew dictionary, it says to praise and it also means to feign madness. David was acting like he was a madman. God had placed, I'm sure, within his brain this plan to escape. Here he had come to find solace and to find help and protection, and they weren't going to give him that. In fact, they were probably going to end his life. And so he began to act insane like a madman, and I believe began to praise the Lord that way. There is a way that you can praise God so hard and with so much of your being that it seems to others he's lost his mind she's lost her mind I don't care my friend I'm going to praise him when I'm in the fire with everything that I've got with all of my heart with all of my physical strength if I collapse on the ground if I have to when I'm going through the fire that's the way I'm going to praise him I will bless the Lord at all times his praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make her boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. I sought the Lord and he heard me and delivered me from all my fears. When you're going through the fire, You've got to remember to praise God. Praise God at home. Praise God in your automobile. Praise God at your place of employment. And for sure, don't miss praising God at church. Those of you that think you can flit in and out of church whenever and wherever you want to, you're going to have a, a, a huge uh, unraveling and, and, and reawakening one of these days. When you wake up and find yourself without a desire to go to church. We are living in a world where everything that hell has got has been unleashed against humanity. Especially the people of God. And everything that the, the, that the devil can use against you, he's using. And he'll keep you out of church. And he'll keep you out of the prayer room. And he'll keep you out of a relationship with God for good eventually if you'll let him do that. You can't do that. That's why God allows the fire. Some of you are wondering why God's allowed the fire that he has. It's to keep you in right relationship with him. That if it wasn't for the fire, you would have backslid a long time ago. God help us. God is the one who allows the fire to come. He lets us go through the fire. 
Does he know what's ahead? Sure he does. He knows what we're going to have to endure. But God lets us feel the heat and the scorching flames of pain and sorrow and storm and testing and hurt and disappointment because he loves us and he wants to purify us and he wants to make us better and he wants us to become stronger and he wants us to refine us and shape us into that vessel that is chosen unto honor, not unto dishonor. He wants to make us what we ought to be. Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial, which is to try you as though some strange thing had happened to you. It's to be expected. It's coming. It's coming because God loves you and he wants to save you. But rejoice when that happens inasmuch as ye are partakers of Christ's suffering. Let me tell you something. You'll never hurt as much as Jesus hurt. You'll never suffer as much as Jesus suffered. I don't care how hot your fire may be. It will never begin to compare to what Jesus went through at Calvary. You remind yourself that next time you're going through the fire. It's so important, so very important that we respond correctly God's way to the fire in order to get from it the benefit that God wants us to receive. What do I do, preacher? Well, here's what you do. Number one, pray about it. And none of these three things I'm going to give you will be a surprise as our musicians come. Pray about it. For some of you, God lets the fire continue to come because you won't get a prayer life. At least the one that's pleasing to him, the one that he knows you've got to have to stay saved. I don't know about you, but I'm not strong enough. I'm not spiritual enough. I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough to stay saved without prayer. I've got to have it. And so do you. And some of you, God has to keep in the fire, it seems like, almost all the time or you wouldn't pray. Make prayer a part of your life anyway, and the fire will let up for some of you. Number two, number one, pray about it. Number two, in everything, give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you. Praise God. Thank you for the fire. Thank you for the fire. Yes, there's another scripture that says, Paul, same writer, said, He's the one that said, in everything, give thanks. He said, for all things, giving thanks. That means thank God while you're in it and thank God for it. That's hard to do, preacher. I know it is. But if you make yourself do it, it'll get you a lot further down the road to get out of the fire. Finally, the last number three, you, you get your nose in the book. Get into the Word of God. Get into your Bible. Whether it's a real book or some electronic device, you cannot go very long without 
the steady diet of the Word of God. Prayer, praise, and oh yeah, about the Word of God, the thing about it is, if you just read it, if you're just exposed to it, if you just come to church and hear it and it stops right there, won't do you any good. Fire's going to keep on raging. You have to obey. You have to obey it. The Lord has taught, taught me. I, I, I still don't do a good job of it some of the time. Maybe a lot of the time. I, I don't know. But the Lord's taught me to let trials and storms motivate me to go to him in prayer whenever the devil hits me or this church with some kind of problem big or small or God's people the Lord has helped me to know the thing that I have got to do is intensify my battle my warfare through prayer did you know God wants you to stick it in the devil's face? Wouldn't some of you love to do that? You can. You know how? By going to the prayer room. The devil hates it when you pray. The devil hates for you to pray, whether it's a little or a lot. He hates those of you that come to Monday night prayer, especially on a regular basis. He makes you go through stuff because you do that. Believe you me, he does. I know. The devil hates it when you spend time with him in prayer, in your prayer closet every day. But I've learned that if I don't pray it out, I'm not going to make it. It's just not going to happen. Not going to make it without it. I want to close with a quote by astronaut by the name of Eugene Kernan. That may not be how it's pronounced. This is in his book, Last Man on the Moon. Looking back at Earth, I saw only a distant blue and white star. Out where I was dashing, stars and eternal distant blackness was everywhere. No one in his right mind can see such a sight and deny the existence of a supreme being. Some power placed our little world, our sun and our moon, where they are in the dark void. It is just too perfect and too beautiful to have happened by accident. I'm going to tell you something today. I believe that. I said, I believe that. If God created this universe, and he did, then he knows all about my little world and your little world. And he can take us through the fire. I said, he can take us through the fire. Amen. Every head bowed and every eye closed. I don't know what you're going through today. I know this, I don't want you to have to end up on the scrap heap. I want you to learn how to go through the fire. I want you to learn to not be afraid of the fire. I want you to get it today. You got to understand it. It's either the scrap heap or the fire. And if you're facing some kind of opposition, 
in your life, some kind of storm, some kind of problem, I, I, I'd love for you to get out of your seat right now and make your way down to the front and find a place and a time to talk to God about it. Would you do that right now? He, he'd love for you to do that. He'd love to hear you. He'd love to hear your voice up here saying, God, I need you. God, I've got to have you. I can't make it another day without you. God, you've got to do something. You've got to give me strength. You've got to change something. If it's not a change in my circumstances, then it's got to be a change somewhere in me. But God, something's got to happen. Would you come right now and have that conversation with Jesus? Oh, he wants you to. He's longing for you to. If you're a member of this church, I want to remind Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. Calvary Church is located at 406 North 44th Street, Mount Vernon, Illinois. Service times are Sunday school at 1 p.m. every Sunday, except the last Sunday of each month, and worship service at 2 p.m. Also, we have an all-church service at 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Calvary Church is affiliated with the United Pentecostal Church International. Thank you, and have a blessed day.